good for World Mental Health Day. And the 10th of October, I joined with Emma, thought uh, your name, girlfriend, whatever else. Um, yeah, we're just going to talk about our mental health journeys. Well, Emma's in particular, and then I'll jump in with a couple of mine. And uh, yeah, just sort of the messages to make sure that um, people know that they're not going through things by themselves and uh, other people are going through it. So, Emma, do you want to kick off or do you want to say an introduction or anything? Yeah, sure thing. Thanks very much for having me on this week's episode. By the way, sorry, um, I know I've already got in, but um, I've lost my voice, so that's why I'm talking like this. <laughs> <laughs> I was playing too much Call of Duty and getting beat. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks very much for having me on this week's episode. I know that having platforms like this is extremely important, especially to try and ease the stigma at least, especially for mental health and just for topics that we don't tend to talk about. So it's very, very important that we do have places and platforms that we feel comfortable to only talk about things like what we're about to talk about. Um, so I do really appreciate and thank you from the bottom of my heart for creating a space like this for people to actually openly have conversations and talk about their interests, talk about their journeys through life as um, it is very important to, to get that message across the world. Yeah, fuck yeah. Thanks for the for the compliments and the plug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, just a disclaimer to begin with, just before I do begin, um, there is going to be some distressing moments, um, obviously touching on mental health. Um, I am talking um, very openly and honestly about my journey, um, but the things that have helped me may not help another person who is going through something similar. Um, although it is very, very important to still seek professional help and not um, just get this help from podcasts, books, um, talking to friends and family, it is still important to seek um, help from a therapist as well. Um, but I just wanted to touch on the fact that we will be discussing um, quite traumatic moments and distressing times and the things that have helped me, um, I do encourage other people to maybe try them, but not to be 100% certain that they'll give you the same effects or um, help that they have given me as well. Yeah, and if, uh, if anyone gets offended by anything, I don't care. Um, you can DM me and I'll put it in my pigeonhole, <laughs> which is the bin, because I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're just going to talk openly about anything, and if you want to cry about it, that's okay. So, do you want to start off with um, well, what you wanted to talk about first? Yeah, I actually wanted just to begin on a quote that is very, very um, sentimental, I suppose, in some way to me. Um, it's something that I always think about when I am going through tough times, like if I'm having a tough moment, a tough hour, a tough day, a tough week. I always just think in my head... In order to grow, you must suffer. So it's not to think that, you know, something terrible, something bad's happening um, and it's taken over your life or there's going to be a consequence. You know, it's so, so terrible and awful. Um, I always think that no matter what, we go through these things in order to grow or in order to suffer. So I just wanted to, to share that quote. I'm not sure who it is by, but it's very, very strong. And um, Should I just made up those from you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's definitely not. I, I know that it is from someone, but it is a very, very good quote. Um, just to, to to share that as the first um, thing. So in order to grow, you must... Suffer. You must suffer. Yep. 
Um, so yeah, I suppose the first thing we touch on is childhood then. Yeah, um, good, so good I think the best thing to do is just break down, obviously, going back. Um, as anyone is probably aware of by now as an adult, you understand that most of your issues that you face or define you as a person, as an adult, are because of what you went through as a child. So your past can still come back and haunt you if you haven't healed from it or if you haven't got over certain particular things that have either been traumatic or unpleasant for you. Um, so it's very important that you do you know, work on those issues in order to get over them as an adult and to to feel comfortable and talking about them as well and um, one thing I just did want to highlight is that I have had therapy for um, the past six seven years on and off um, I have been with a therapist ongoing since the beginning of January of this year um, so it's not to say that I have not needed a therapist in order to make me stronger or anything like that um, it's just that I know if I didn't seek professional help or have a therapist that I wouldn't openly be able to talk about these issues without getting upset or emotional so if you are confused on why I'm maybe not crying or getting upset about these issues it's because um, I am very strong and comf confident and comfortable talking about them now just because I have had that professional help and support from ongoing therapists and things like that um, and also I think it is very important to vent out these things rather than just maybe going on Instagram or going on social media and talking about them because they are very raw um, and you don't want to obviously go online and, and, and share that when you haven't fully healed from it as well. So I also wouldn't recommend that. Um, I think it's it's about you being comfortable and sharing what you are rather than just putting it out there for the sake of putting it out there. And my message is that I um, can say after a very, very long time that I've healed um, to somewhat degree, maybe 90% of my past now, um, which is absolutely fantastic because it's something that I never thought I would ever achieve or get over. Um, so now that I have got to that point and with it being World Mental Health Day and with me, I would say that I am a real advocate for mental health and all the work that I do as a counsellor. Um, I would say that it wouldn't not be like me to want to share these things and get that message out there because I've never done it before and I think now is the right time to do that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I suppose I'll touch on childhood then. Um, going back to when I was in primary school um, and how there were certain particular things that I remember and I was only maybe like six or seven at that time um you know very vivid memories it's not that you expect your your brain to remember every single specific moment of a memory um and the thing that i have learned throughout study of human behavior is that when you don't remember full memories and you block out certain particular moments it's in order to protect yourself so you'll find that when you're you're thinking back to a certain time you'll maybe remember one or two things but then you'll struggle to remember the rest and you're wondering why and um, the That's reason funny. remember we were talking about that and um, the other day you said or i said to you that isn't it weird that your brain forgets about some things but then if you speak to someone else who was around the exact same time and like they knew like something that you had done that time but you totally forgot about it it's because your brain obviously didn't think that it was important or yeah. maybe your brain's trying to protect you or like i said about like tv programs or something like childhood tv programs like you don't remember watching it but then someone else can bring up and say 
oh yeah, I remember like we watched Blues Clues or we watched uh, Sister Sister or something like that, and then you'd be like, fuck, I used to watch that. Yeah. Isn't it weird the way your brain works like that? It is, but it's like that for everyone, and like you'll find that you get frustrated almost when you can't remember the full memory. You're like, I remember that happening, but I don't remember <clears> why or what or what else happened. And the most important thing is to know the reason why you can't remember a full memory is because it may have been extremely unpleasant for you and that's why your brain is then blocking that out. It's almost like blacking it out yeah. because yeah. it doesn't want you to still remember that unpleasant moment. Um, so that's what you may find when you do go pa back to your past and maybe dig out certain particular memories. You may find you only remember one or two certain particular points um, or you may find that you remember the whole thing but obviously if you do that's because it was more happier for you yeah. and you feel comfortable to remember that memory. Uh, but for me, most of my childhood, unfortunately, I don't remember much. Um, the things that I do remember are quite unpleasant. Um, so just touching on um, the end of primary school, obviously, you have such a big decision to make. You have to choose what secondary school you're going to and like trying to get into a secondary school. I remember being so difficult and having to actually make that choice as a child is really, really difficult as well. Um, but I remember for me um, in primary school, I um, went through something that still today I would say is quite life changing. So um, my name was changed. So my second name, my surname was changed. Um, my legal name is Emma Wilson. So that's all, that's the name that's on my birth certificate and that I carried through primary school. But in my final years of primary school, my name was changed. Um, my name was changed to um, the married name of um, a parent at that time, and um, so it was my step parent, and um, it was quite it was quite life changing because obviously your surname you would say is part of your identity. Well, I would say so anyway, and um, it was just quite traumatic because when I went into school, I remember that. The teacher obviously announced in the middle of the whole class that my name was not going to be seen as Emma Wilson anymore and my new name was going to be Emma Craig. So I just remember, you know, kids laughing and like asking questions and, and like... that's like, whenever I was younger, like if someone like got their name changed, like I, I would make sure that I would laugh at it and like pick on them. Like it's just so stupid. That's the way kids are, they're just stupid cunts. Well, the thing is, as a child, you are curious, you want yeah. to know things and like... You know, I now looking back as an adult, I'm like, well, it must have been very confusing for other kids in the class to be like, why, what, you yeah, know, exactly. why, I don't know why, you know, and when I, like I was being asked those things, I didn't even know how to respond or answer. So, yeah. you know, I, I, all I remember was just bursting into tears crying and not knowing what to say, but they used to just laugh at me. And then it was just like, it seems silly, but yeah, the exactly. significance of it to me was very distressing because it went on for like not only just days or weeks it went on for months and me having to adapt to this change as well you know like my legal documents still today are with Wilson but all my other um details on like day-to-day -day, like people call me by Craig so to adapt to to that change but still to have to bounce off the two it has been something that's been quite difficult to adapt to since I was only six or seven or whatever age I was when I got changed um, and then obviously when I moved to a secondary school no one knew me with my past name they knew me as my new name um, so it was still challenging for people to be calling me by that name because I hadn't got used to it yet myself 
Um, so yeah, just like adapting to that change was quite um, significant in some way, but it was very, very upsetting to um, adapt to whilst people were obviously picking on you and, you know, trying to understand why it was yeah. different and things like that. Um, then also at the end of um, primary school, I went through another situation that was quite um, distressing, life-changing in some degree. Um, I remember the estate that I lived in um, and it was actually like really fun living there. So we like had an estate where you actually had other friends and it was cool because we used to, you know, go out on our bikes and behind us we had like a park and we used to just like muck around and like I loved the outdoors as a kid. Like I, I was such a tomboy, like I used to go on my bike, I used to go on my rollerblades, like I used to just roll in the mud, like I absolutely loved getting outside, it was like so great. And um, I remember we just recently got a dog at that age um, and it was a basset hound so it was quite a unique dog and like he was just so cute and um, mm -hmm. had real floppy ears but we got him from a puppy so it was just, oh he was just extra cute um, and I think like having a dog within like the family home is just something so unique and special because um, you know you, you grow such a good bond and connection with it and like I was one of those ones out of the family that grew like an instant connection with him was like constantly like is he okay like let's go for a walk and you know like I was like you know a proper dog mum at that time um but yeah they I just remember waking mm -hmm. up you know as a normal day to get ready for school and um I remember you know a normal thing that you do do when you wake up is obviously you brush your teeth you get ready but then you look outside and you're like what's the weather like today and uh, I remember like looking outside and we had two cars at the time and um, they weren't in the driveway, like nothing was there. And um, I remember like um, parents like rushing around, like w wondering and like all I can remember is like very vivid moments again. But um, what had happened then we found out that a lot of money was taken, two cars out of the driveway were taken um like laptops like I had savings and um sort of my siblings as well like we had like a money drawer that we had like kept savings from like childhood like Christmases birthdays and things like that and all that was taken um but I remember um rushing book it was everyone was like having a commotion about what had been taken and I remember rushing to find out if like the dog had been taken because he was like fairly new and I was like is he okay but like it turned out that our house had been robbed and um, you know quite a lot of stuff had been taken like basically got left with like the bare minimum and um, the dog was thankfully still there um, but like it was very strange because he didn't bark or anything and you know whenever it happened and it all went on when we were all asleep upstairs so to know that as a child that that had happened it just completely terrified me you know like I had night tremors and stuff like that afterwards and I was worried like going to sleep that it might happen again or like just knowing because we found out that the people that had done it had been watching um, for quite a long time and obviously you know trying to find out our routine to see when the light switched off and when it was a good time to come in and things like that so it was very distressing to know that someone had been watching our movements to then come in and take all the, what they did and like they were never found out and things like that so it was quite tough and like I remember having to still go into school like normal and 
um i just remember like crying most of the day and things like that like it was very very tough to know what had happened and why it happened again and how old were you um so that was when i was in p7 so you were like 10 yeah like it was it was very young and um i just remember remember having so many questions but more so like having anger and not knowing and like wanting to know and the police were there and like you know neighbors were asking questions and it was just very like intimidating to somewhat degree because you just you didn't know what happened yourself but then other people were asking questions and you had to say to them like i don't know you yeah. know um so th- you know those those kinds of things to go through as a child it can be very very heavy and difficult and you know then to just go to school as normal it's like you have to pretend nothing's happening yeah. and that's what i did majority of the time i just went into school and would have you know talked with friends played in the playground <laughs> and just been like trying to be as bubbly as i as i can be but knowing that those things were happening in the back of my head was obviously distressing for me um but i obviously didn't let on or tried tried to hide that and i don't know why as a child you do try to hide those things i I think you know to somewhat degree if you seem weak, emotional, that you can get picked on and you can get bullied. So that's something that I always had in my head. You know, if someone sees me talking to the teacher, they're going to be talking about me and, you know, things like that. Um, Which is silly because it might have not happened or it might have, I don't know. But it's just something that I always had playing in my mind to just continue like nothing happened. Um, So that was leaving primary school, moving into secondary school i um was in two different secondary schools so i was in secondary school um for three years and then changed schools into another secondary school so having that move was again very very difficult um you know having friends and then losing friends and then trying to make new friends but then you don't fit in because you haven't been in that school for a long enough time everyone's already got their friends and things like that so you have to seem like the top the top um cool kid for them to connect and want to be friends with you you know um so like change. that's really hard though like new kids like you see it in movies and all like the new kids like it could go everywhere you could be the absolute loser or you could be the absolute popular person mm. well i was the absolute loser oh, <laughs> so um, cute. you know like i was one of those kids that had the massive blazer Every, like I had a very petite body but my clothes were very massive for me you had glasses as well didn't you I had glasses I and had braces, braces. So if you, were you like ever Gretchen out of recess <laughs> if you ever watched Ugly Betty on uh, I think it was Channel 4 Channel 5 uh, yeah. back on the UK TV that's exactly what well, I looked up well you're my Ugly Betty <laughs> Um, ugly fuck. <laughs> but um yeah i i just think like with moving schools not even just moving schools starting secondary school is so heavy and overwhelming for a child um and you do you have to be <clears throat> super cool you have to fit in with the crowd and you know it, it is so difficult to like kind of adapt to all those changes especially when you're so young um, <clears throat> and i know for many teenagers they do struggle with all those changes and I know for myself that I um you know if I had a bad day at school or a bad day at home or anything like that the number one thing that I would have done was isolate myself like I wouldn't have um been in the mood to have a chat with someone or been in the mood to have fun or in the mood to stay after school for an activity or you know hang out with friends after school go shop and do things like that 
no way. The, the first thing I would have wanted to do was go home and lie in my bed, put the doobie over my head and just cry. You yeah. know, like, you're not in the mood to do those kinds of things when you feel down. And at that time, I didn't know what I was feeling, thinking or anything. You probably didn't even know what depression was. No, I, depression. no I didn't. And it wasn't, it wasn't until, you know, I became an adult that I realized, oh my God, back then I was depressed. Like yeah. I was severely depressed and yeah. no one around me knew no. that there was something wrong or that I wasn't happy or anything like that. So it just goes to show that you can hide those things quite but well. That's what I mean. Like I don't understand why I meant off such a taboo subject. Like people should, I don't know what the education system is like now, but whenever I was at school, we, I didn't know anything. I didn't know about suicide until I was like maybe 16 or something like that. And mm -hmm. then with the likes of, uh, what's the like, worm video. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> why are you sitting back though? Sit up. Just chilling. And, um, yeah, with the likes of, uh, like, self-harming and stuff, like, obviously knew that because of, like, emos and shit like that there, like, people, like, cutting their wrists and stuff like that, but, like, actual, like, suicide or, like, depression all that there, all those words, like, they weren't really that big, and I feel like it's really bad that, especially with technology nowadays, like, kids should be taught about mental health from, I'd say, probably P7, first year. Mm -hmm, especially definitely. going in the second secondary school because that's whenever you are like going into like mini adulthood definitely yeah and like the thing is as well we all we all face these problems so we all should know what they are to expect them you know if you feel if you feel anxiety stress panic anything you just brush it off because you don't know what it is and that's that's still what can happen as an adult. If you don't know what you're feeling or why you're thinking that way, or maybe why you're behaving that way, you just think, oh, what's well, not important? You know, I don't know what it is, so just forget about it. Yeah. And that's what we do as children and as teenagers as well. We just brush things off because we don't understand it. And if you lift that confusion and you understand why you're feeling it, then you feel more open to share what, what's happening with you. You know, but when you're confused, you're like, well, I don't know how to explain it to someone else. So why should I say how I'm feeling? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's exactly why I feel <clears throat> there is such a taboo, you know, it's such a taboo <clears throat> topic to talk about because the main thing is we're not taught these things. We're not told why. We don't have an understanding on any of it until we're adults mainly. And we search for ourselves. But when you're a child or a teenager, you don't know. So that's why you're like, well, I'm not going to talk to someone or I'm not going to, you know, tell my friend that I feel a bit shit about myself or I'm not going to tell my friend that, you know, thingy in class is pissing me off and I went home last night and cried about it. You know what I mean? You don't you don't tell people those things because, you know, you're either going to get laughed at or talked about or, yeah, you know, things like that. So you know in the back of your mind, well, that's not going to benefit me. The best thing to do is just say nothing and isolate myself. But if we were taught those things in school to say, you know, if you vented to someone and that then lifted that weight off your chest, it would help. Then, you you know, you would find people like teenagers and children would then be like, oh, okay, maybe I might try that. Yeah. And they would do it. They'd be more influenced to do it. But children and teenagers are more influenced to say nothing because they feel like there's going to be a consequence and obviously the consequence is unknown until you do it but the, it's still it's still a thought it can still happen 
So that that that's the main thing, and that's the reason why we tend to to hold back, say nothing, and just brush it off like it ain't important. But I tell you now, from my own personal experience, brushing things off and putting them to the side, laying them in the bed, they come back ten times harder and hit you in the face a couple of months, a couple of years down the line, and it's extremely more difficult to shift or to get rid of or to heal from because you may not have closure, you may not have um, that confusion lifted and it can be quite distressing. So I would recommend if you're in that situation, you know, as a child or a teenager where you are feeling heavy emotions and you're like, I don't know why I feel like this, this isn't how I normally feel. The best thing to do is to go to your school teacher and speak to someone. Um, I do admit that that's often what I done um, when I got into fourth year. Um, and that's just because it was like a safety zone for me to some extent because there were some teachers that I extremely admired and there were some teachers that you obviously dreaded going into class with. And um, the teachers that I admired and were quite nurturing and friendly um, and I seen them as being, you know, a nice teacher, I would have then called them or stayed behind class and said, look, you know, this happened or blah, blah, blah. And maybe I'm feeling a wee bit like this and I don't know why. And, you know, they would have then looked after me and said, it's okay, you need a braver, you know, sit sit in um, like the storeroom or whatever. And they would have kept me behind, give me some water. And, you know, they wouldn't have explained why I was feeling what I was feeling, but they helped me take that moment to calm down or take that moment to sit out of class to, to understand and get a break from other people um, and it, it was helpful to some degree but obviously you need to feel comfortable to open up or to speak to someone in order to do that and not everyone does um, and also another thing I would have done as well and um, there was a counsellor that was in the school um, it was only two or three times a week um, but I would have started speaking to them in also fourth year uh, so fourth and fifth year I would have made use of those services as well um, we weren't openly told to um, but I just the lead for going to counsellor? well I didn't tell anyone oh well you're lucky because I know there was people in my school who used to go to counselling and if uh, anyone found out they just would have started slamming to her like if she was like being a dick in class or something like that there or if he was being a dick in class like or if like they were just like like you get into like arguments with kids at school mm. like if someone got in an argument with someone and they went to counsel them it made it like 10 times worse for the person who went to counsel which is fucking disgusting now yeah. obviously when you think about it but whenever you're a kid you don't hold back you just say whatever comes to your mind yeah well i, I didn't tell anyone <clears throat> it was something um for me that i felt was best not to tell anyone just because throughout um time at school so school was one of the most difficult situations for me that I now remember of and you know he is is a very strong and harsh word but I would say that I you know I did hate being at school and it was just because um you know I was coming into school to have fun or to be with friends and to talk to people and I understand you learn and things like that as well um but it was just like you know I went through stages of bullying people um bullied me and judged me and criticized me for the way I looked there was guys um one specific guy that was like ongoing bullying spat in my face you know laughed at me because I didn't have a dad it was just some ridiculous things and um got you know judged my appearance like to do with my nose you know just it was just so many stupid ridiculous things but at that time because you're 
a teenager and you feel vulnerable and things like that, you do take it a lot more personally than, you know, I know if someone bullied me today, I would definitely defend myself and, you know, tell them that it's not nice to speak to someone like that. But back then I was so intimidated and afraid and well, scared. We both know who that person was and he got his just desserts in a couple of years time, didn't they? Well, one. you don't obviously cause harm on anyone, but... Yeah, but one of our... Well, one of my friends fucking decked him because he was bullying another girl. Yeah. So it's just funny, isn't it, that there's guys out there who think that they can fucking treat women like shit, even in school as well. Yeah. Like, fucking fifth years, fourth years, that's like 15, 16 years old. Yeah. It's disgusting. Like, I, I do remember as well, there was sometimes <clears throat> um, when... You know, I would have just started crying and then they would have laughed at me for crying. Yeah. And obviously I was already vulnerable, but that person was then making me feel even more vulnerable. And yeah. when I started crying, it was like another opportunity for them to attack even more. Um, So it was just horrible to be in a situation like that where you didn't know how to defend yourself or how to help yourself. And like, obviously for me, I felt as though if I went and talked to a teacher that he was going to come and attack me yeah. more. And I actually remember a guy um, that it was in third year. So it was just whenever I'd moved to that school. And um, I remember a guy, you know, threatened to put my head down the toilet. And like, I took that really personally. And I was like, oh my goodness, like he's going to, because I'm quite afraid of water. Like I can't swim. And I was like, I can't imagine like being in yeah. that water and like, you know, potentially like somewhat drowning. That's a, um, like, that's a fucking stupid bully thing from America. It's called a swirly. Mm. like putting someone's head down a fucking toilet like what the fuck yeah it was it was very very intense and like i understand a lot of people do go through bullying and you know obviously as an adult you, you i mean to somewhat degree you can be like what the hell like that's so stupid and ridiculous yeah. but uh, as a person to go through that as a teenager you're so so like caught up in it and like distressed about it and emotionally like sad about it you don't know how to deal with it you don't know what's best to do because obviously if you tell your teacher it can maybe get worse yeah um and things like that but I remember um in school that I didn't really have many close friends like I really did struggle to find people that I connected with and had a good friendship with and you know I had trust issues and things like that because of like the bullying there would have been other people that I would have called friends um and I would have seen as my closest friends and they would have then participated in this bullying act or like laughing and like calling me names and like making up characters um I remember in I think it was like an ICT class. There was actually someone that was supposed to be my best friend, a few other guys and a few other girls. But obviously it was me against like a group of five or six people. And they had all drew this photograph and they were like, oh, look, Emma, we drew a photo of you and um, showed me what it looked like. And it was like of Dory the fish. <laughs> and, um, you know, like I, I just lifted my bag and like walked out of the class and went to the bathrooms and just sat on the toilet in the bathrooms crying my eyes out like so traumatically that um I just like I didn't want to go back to class and I just didn't you know I just hoped that no one came and found me because I just didn't want to move from that it, toilet it's enough funny now when you look back on it like you're just like like is it like why would that piss you off like people used to call me the joker because of my nose and like my chin and like they used to like say oh, look, you look like a fucking orc or a, a, a joker or something like that and whenever I was younger like obviously like you take it to heart but like yeah. seeing, looking back at it now I laugh at it because it's funny as fuck. <laughs> it is. It's so sad because obviously as a teenager you already struggle with like how you look and perceive yeah. Yeah. yourself to the world. Like 
your character, your identity, you, you know, what I've learned through human behavior as well is when you're a teenager and a child, you're trying to create your personality and you go through different stages of having personality. So as an adult, you have one personality. Um, but as a child and teenager, you can have numerous personalities. So obviously you're trying to bring out different characters and different humors and things like that with different people. So you're trying to, to suss out who you're going to be as an adult. Um, and that's what I've learned, you know, as a child and as a teenager, that's why it can be so difficult because you're trying to figure out who you are and you're trying to mingle with different people who are maybe bringing out other things to you yeah. or you're influenced by what they're doing. It may be negative, it may be positive, whatever, but you're trying to juggle out and figure out who you may be. So when you get bullied, it obviously then you, you already have self-esteem issues as a teenager because you're trying to figure out who you are. But then for someone to bully you, that's also, you know, it's impacted even more. Um, so it, it's just, it's horrible because you don't know, you don't know how to get around things like that. And I feel like that's where the school system lacks. It's bullying such a common thing and it should be eradicated by now. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so ridiculous, especially, um, to hear of people potentially committing suicide and things like that because of it. Like, that's how bad and dangerous it can be for someone if it's ongoing and obviously going home and then come back into school the next day and it's happening again. It's like you can't get away from it. It's it's awful. Well, what was good then whenever you met me in school, it sort of like all disappeared then, didn't it? Because people were like, oh, I'm not going to mess with Emma because she's got a boyfriend now. Yeah. And obviously I was a year older as well and I didn't fucking take any shit from anyone, so... You were was, like my protector in some I was, way. I was your knight in shining armour. <laughs> I was. Yeah. And I still am. But, yeah, it was funny because you used to tell me, like, people, like, would have, like, some, like, people would have, like, said stuff to you before and they never did anymore. And, like, people used to, like, talk to you and wind you up like they didn't talk to you anymore. And I was just like, that's good that they have the Nathan effect. Mm. Um, it's actually a funny story. There was a guy who fucking said something to you one time and I was in the toilet just taking a piss and uh, he came into the toilet next to me and was like peeing and I turned around to him and he goes, oh did you say something to Emma the other day? He's like, no I didn't say anything, didn't say anything. I was just like oh no, she told me that you did say something I was like, see if you say anything else again to her you fucking know about it and then after that he just shit himself and that was it didn't say anything and that's good though that like I was there to protect you and stand up for you because you had no one else to stand up for you so you were just going through all that shit by yourself yeah I know you probably don't want me saying that but I don't go for it well I feel like that's why people are seen <coughs> as vulnerable you know obviously bullies attack people that are vulnerable so if yeah. you are seen as a vulnerable person for them to attack well, you know they're happy yeah. but the thing is you need to understand that bullies bully because they're hurting they're either yeah. jealous or they're hurting from some particular point yeah. and mainly bullies bully because they've been bullied so it's it's awful that they're doing that on another person just because they're hurting themselves so that's one thing that i've learned you know coming through things like that i'm like oh my goodness you know they, they're clearly not happy but they're seen as being so strong and fierce when they are bullying you you know you're like really scared of them but then to know that deep 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 down somewhere they're clearly upset and you know yeah. something's annoying them and hurting them it's kind of like uh, animal nature as well like mm. like if you're in a pack like a lion pack or like a wolf pack you're going after like a small innocent animal another yeah. one that's by themselves 
Yeah. And then everyone just fucking, they all just like jump on top of you and they're all having a go at you. Yeah. So it's weird, like you, you see the similarities between animals and It is very interesting humans, actually, yeah. Isn't it? It is, yeah. Um, so anyway, we've talked about your childhood, um, well like, not your childhood, but like your school years. Um, yeah, I, I, I was still going to continue on school years, so oh, okay. um, then like outside of the bullying and things like that, I was also having issues um, within the home and um, there was one specific time that I remember that was very life-changing and traumatic. Um, I remember going <coughs> home from school like a normal day um, and, you know, on the journey home from school, I got told that there was going to be like police outside the house and, you know, there was going to be forensics, there was going to be um, people raiding the house, there were going to be raiding my bedroom, there was going to be all this stuff happening and I was just like, what, what the hell, what's going on? Couldn't understand what was happening. And it seemed like everything was going so quickly to the point that I couldn't really understand what was happening. So um, then found out that the person that was brought into um, my life at that time, um, that guy had been involved in some sort of criminal activity, um, I suppose, and he had um, been caught up with a certain amount of drugs, which was, I can't even remember the exact amount, but it was an awful lot. Um, and it was like class A, class B, class C. Um, and also there was like a crime gang involved. So there was like, I think up to like maybe 12 people. Um, and that guy, um, unfortunately was living in our family home at the time. So obviously the police came and it was protocol for them to search everything and ensure that there was nothing like stored in the house. But whilst like we knew nothing about this or nothing that he was doing within his personal life um it was quite distressing to understand that that's something that had happened and obviously involved us and like me and obviously with me being the oldest sibling it was quite distressing for me to have to somewhat have to control it and you know protect other people and understand even in my own head what was happening and you know like the place just came and raided everything and I remember like you know, having to open my school bag or open, like, my blazer pockets and show them what was, like, happening in those spaces whilst I was coming home from school. And, like, I remember just getting off the school bus and walking down into, like, my estate and, like, the police were just walking with sniffer dogs up and around the estate and, like, I was just mortified and so embarrassed because, like, obviously there's neighbours and you know that people are nosy and they talk and, like, everyone was just looking out the windows and it was just, like, the news cameras were there and... It was just, it was a lot, and um, I was 14, 15 at the time, I think. I was in first, second year, third year, I'm not too sure, but I know it was in, in secondary school at some point, and um, uh, what had happened then was because it was like the news, and you know, as a, a teenager, you talk about the news, and you discuss it in class, and do you know that happened, remember that happened, and la ha ha, and laughing about it. I went into school the next day and I was like really in no fit state and I remember going into class and I think it was actually Ma's class and because um, I, I remember it stands out so vividly because what had happened was people were talking about it and laughing and oh like you know just general chit chat and then like asking other people's opinions and things like that and obviously I had hid that it was to do with me and it you know, it was happening at my house and things like that. And 
what had happened was because I was trying to control and block out what had been happening and what the conversations were, um, I didn't know at the time what was happening, but now looking back, I understand that was my first panic attack. And I remember like my breathing and everything was just so heavy. And like, I, like I took a blank moment, like I couldn't see anything. Like my vision had just blurred and it was so frightening. Like I remember, like I was trying to gasp for a breath and like my whole hands and arms were shaking and like my chest was beating so fast and I was sweating and I remember trying to get up off my desk and like putting my hands on my table to like get up and I couldn't because I couldn't see what was in front of me um and then I remember my teacher well my former teacher came then and um took me to my year head and I had sat there the rest of the day because I had openly told him what was happening and things like that and he said he thinks it was best that I sat out which I was grateful for because it, it did really help me um because like I said my number one coping mechanism was to isolate myself so I sat in a room all day just by myself and it helped me, you know, kind of calm down and take that braver and understand what was happening. And um, obviously at that time uh, was whenever I started seeking that support in school and trying to speak to a counsellor to understand because on top of getting bullied, but on top of knowing that other people were talking about situations that actually involved me, but me not telling them that it did, um, was very, very heavy to carry like day to day. So um, it was helpful to vent and talk to people because I did have a lot of anger around the situation and things like that so whenever I was going to counselling and even talking to my year head you know like it was it was funny at the time because I remember just like crying and like you know like slamming my fist on the table and like not even knowing what to say and like it was just the reassurance that helped me um you know them saying it's okay like just you know take a drink of water calm down take a breather um, and things like that give me the reassurance that I needed that things were going to get that bit better because, you know, obviously as a teenager at that time, teenagers can be very angry and things like that when they don't understand things. And that's one thing that I remember being very, very angry and like very uptight and like, but why? And, you know, how? And, you know, just wanted to know. I was so curious on why all this, you know, was happening when, you know, was it happening to anyone else or was it just me and things like that? So that had happened. Um, And obviously this guy had been sent to prison had a prison sentence and things like that so it was all very ongoing and dragged out over a matter of years so it was very very heavy and you know quite a difficult situation um whilst like I have no contact with him now thankfully but um obviously it's had an effect on who I am today because it involved drugs and you know obviously since I've came traveling and stuff like that I've been more um around people that maybe do drugs or you know staying in backpackers and things like that and obviously smelt weed and things like that um and I've understood that it's still quite distressing for me and um it's something that I struggle to understand that people do and things like that it's not that like I criticize people that take drugs or anything like that it's just mm -hmm. that <clears throat> I find that difficult um to kind of adapt to um yeah, and to be so. around and accept because <laughs> I know that I had such a negative impact on my life so like whenever I'm around people sometimes and they say you know I'm just going to do this so I'm going to do that you know I can see that my thoughts or emotions are changing because it brings me back to that time almost and it, it, it is quite heavy and um it's something that I'm currently still working on but it's just something that is it's it's difficult and um it's hard when you maybe don't mean to change or you maybe don't mean to 
bring out different emotions or you maybe don't want your thoughts to change because obviously sometimes these people can be my friends but um it's obviously something that I can't control until I've fully healed over the situation and because it was so heavy at that time it's something that can still bring you back to that moment as well um but yeah um moving on from well no not moving on from teenage years just quite yet another thing I did want to touch on that is um again very challenging and difficult to overcome is um grief like death and loss of losing someone so um just before I was leaving school I remember again sitting in class and um the vice principal came in and she was like Emma um we need to speak to you can you come out of class and I was just like what the hell what have I done like you instantly think you're in trouble and <laughs> I remember thinking what the hell have I done what the hell what's going on and um she brought me out into like the corridor area and she said look um I do think it's best that you go home and I says oh okay you're like yes <laughs> I was like oh okay and um she said yeah there's been a very terrible thing that's happened and I was just like oh no you know I just remember not understanding I was like terrible thing oh okay because you know most things that I was going through this period of time were quite terrible and I was like what possibly more could happen and um she said um you went to school with someone um and grew up with them from a very young age right through primary school and um yeah she's passed away and I was but just how, like how would they have known that um so I think someone had made a phone call it was possibly um a parent or someone like that had made a phone call and their protocol um was that anyone that had a a relationship with the person and the best thing to do was to go home because um obviously we were only young I was only 16 at the time and um it was like a real a really terrible accident that happened it was all over the news and things like that and um anyone that knew the person had had to go home basically because it was so traumatic and um what had happened was the person that I knew had um been involved in a car accident and it happened in snow so basically it was beginning to like start to snow the weather was changing and there was another car or a cattle truck that had came and collided with their vehicle um so Hannah and her dad were taken and it was it was awful like especially for me to to know that it had happened I was like what? I just couldn't understand and like the thing was Hannah was just such a she was just such a friendly bubbly like person she, you never would have seen her having a bad day or like you know being negative or anything like I went to nursery school primary school with her and like she was the loudest person in the room basically with the biggest smile like I, she was just so fantastic to be around and um would have went to like birthdays at her house and like knew her family all so well and things like that so it was a very very awful thing to overcome and I remember so obviously the vice principal came in and said the best thing for you to do is to go home um because obviously this is a very difficult time and obviously understand the situation and things like that and I was like okay and I remember I was just totally shaken and I just was like this can't be right this can't be happening you know it just it did I felt surreal it just felt like it wasn't right 
Um, got home and the first thing I obviously done was start typing her name into to Google and to Facebook and it was just like everywhere. Um, BBC News, everything. It was just like, it was all over everything. And I was like, oh my God, it's real. It's real. But still at that point, it didn't seem real. So obviously went to the way, caught up with um, the rest of the girls that went to primary school with that, that knew Hannah and things like that. And it was like, whoa, this is real. You know, it wasn't until I'd went to the wake and the funeral, because that was my first wake and funeral that I'd been to, that I had then realised this, this is real. You know, like, this has actually happened. And it was, it was the worst situation ever. Like, just to understand as, again, being a teenager, to go through a grieving process. Um, You know, I was in denial for a matter of weeks and just didn't know how to accept the loss and like whenever you're a kid as well like you don't think that like anyone you know or you will get hurt or like Mm -mm. anything like that would ever happen to you you don't think that you think you're invincible yeah you know like death is obviously a part of life but you never expect it to automatically happen or you don't know when it's going to happen or you don't know what's around the corner for anyone so obviously you should appreciate every single moment, but as a teenager or as a child, you don't see that as a thing. And like that was one thing that shocked me. I was like, dead, death, loss, not here anymore. Like what? You know, you just, I just didn't understand it. I'd, I'd never, you know, had that thought in my head of anyone. And whenever I'd been told, I was just in total shock. Like my whole, it was like my whole brain, my whole body had froze for three days. And I remember then when the funeral happened, I was like, this is real. This is, this is it. You know, it's real. And it was just such a difficult time for a couple of weeks. And it was, you know, it was in the month of December as well, which was even more difficult. And um, it was just, it was awful to, to accept and to understand. But I understand the grieving process is one of the most difficult things in life to overcome, you know, to understand that someone can be there one minute, but then the next minute they're they're taken and they're gone. Like, there's several different steps through, through grief, and the last and final step is to accept. And that's one um, stage of anything throughout life that we struggle to accept that it's happened, you know. Something so terrible has happened but that person's gone, you know, you, you can't do anything about that, and I remember, like, it, you know, like anyone that has to deal with grief or loss, it is just, it's, it's horrible, it's so, so horrible, and, like, the thing about the process as well is that you can think, did I do enough, you know, did I, did I meet with that person enough, did I talk with that person enough, could I have done anything that could have maybe helped the situation, blah, 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 you know, I'm sure it's the same with suicide, um, as it's like such a common thing for people, um, to have to deal with, and it, it it's awful. I'm sure to have to to live with that, move on from that, and understand that someone's been in some amount of pain, um, to have done that to themselves, and think that you know, like life's gonna be better that way, and it's it is it's it's awful. But for other people that have to deal with the process, it's it's so difficult. It's it's very very challenging, and it's something that you definitely need to seek professional help for because if you don't and you're on your own you can become severely depressed and 
that's the dangerous side of it and um, for most people that do deal with grief um, I know they have to either go on antidepressants or they can do like um, group therapy because it's extremely helpful if you're in a group doing therapy with other people that have been in the same situation so that's a couple things that I would recommend but um, for me the best thing that helped me was to be around people that knew the person so we were all together supporting each other we were all in the same situation um, but just trying to give each other that support and also um, speaking you know sharing moments of uh, fun and happiness can also help shine a light on the situation so like remembering funny moments and laughing and things like that can also help but um just more so venting as well you know because you're going to have a lot of anger um and that's very normal as well through the grieving processes to have anger and feel upset and that's have why people fucking get blocked after funerals isn't it they yeah. all go on the piss up definitely but um the best thing to do is to definitely speak with someone professional because they'll be able to help you through the the several steps that i mentioned and help you through that that last most challenging step acceptance and you'll you'll be able to then you know come through it stronger and understand yeah grief is shit it's terrible but um it's all a part of life that we have to we have to um kind of get along with and it's not to move on from the situation or anything like that it's just to to have a healthy relationship with it rather than getting angry and upset and uh and you know hating talking about it you want to still talk about the situation comfortably and I know that several things can bring back um you know if you lose someone you can maybe hear a song you can maybe you know see things hear things um even like talking or places well, and things like that it's like you said about the Aerosmith song yeah like there's certain particular things that can still you know bring back that person and it's it's nice when you eventually have that connection you're like laughing you're like oh yeah I love like this my granddad yeah the Frank Sinatra. Oh yeah. Whenever I hear Frank Sinatra, I'm just like, ah, oh, my God, I'll be listening to that right now. Dancing, yeah. <laughs> it, it it is pretty amazing, but whenever it's very fresh, you know, I remember actually the first time I came to Australia and I heard, you know, a song that had that attachment and I just burst into tears and, you know, I was walking around the supermarket and I was just like, tears were just tripping me and, you know, now when I hear it, I'm like, oh, you know, you must be having a laugh up there looking at me. Yeah, but that song is like, it's sad. It's it's a sad song. No, but it, what I'm saying is like it's a song that's played everywhere. Oh, I know. All that it's Aerosmith. I don't want to miss a thing. Like that song is like so iconic, and it's just played out for everything. Like you hear it like on the radio every day. It's crazy. Well, I don't listen to the radio, but I know whenever I do hear it, I think it's quite sentimental, and yeah. obviously it's on for a reason. But um, I know that can be the same for other people that have went through a loss, and there's something that brings back that connection. Um. And it, it it's nice, but obviously at the, at the beginning, it's all very overwhelming and you don't know why it's happening or you don't know how to feel about it. But once you begin to get through that healing process, you understand that it's it's like a happy thing that's bringing yeah. back that person, which is pretty amazing. Um, So yeah, another thing that I did want to touch on just while we were talking about like grief and loss is that um, it's not entirely just about death that can make you go through that grieving process on losing someone and um, you can also lose someone and go through that grieving process um with like a breakup or losing a connection like losing touch with someone as well so like losing friends losing like touch with like family members or 
and going through a breakup, like things like that can make you go through the same process and it can be difficult and it can be heavy. Um, you know, if you have had a relationship with someone, can be absolutely anyone, and that's then taken away from you, it almost feels like you have lost them due to death just because you had, you know, that connection and then automatically it's gone. So it's like the same thing um, to a certain extent because obviously they're still here and they're still alive, but obviously that connection has been taken away. So um, it's just to understand that sometimes when people go through breakups or they lose a connection with someone, they're like, why do I feel like this? You know, three years later, I'm still feeling like this. It's exactly the same process. You need to allow yourself to heal from the situation and then also, you know, accept that it's happened as well. Yeah. So it's, it's quite similar to a certain extent. So it's just very important if you're, maybe going for a breakup or you've lost a connection with someone, lost touch with someone and you feel similarity to how it is to, to grieve over someone, that's exactly why it would be beneficial for you to probably get um, therapy as well to, to be able to talk about that and heal from that situation. Otherwise, it's still going to be attached to you later down the line and you're going to be wondering, you know, why am I still thinking about my ex? And we broke up maybe three or four years ago. I don't understand why it's still, I'm still thinking about it. It's again because you, you've lost them. You're grieving over the relationship loss or you're grieving over the, the friendship loss or family yeah. loss. Um, so I just think that's very important to, to highlight as well. There was a... So sorry, just before you go off yeah. uh, childhood and stuff like that. So you also didn't grow up with like your biological father either, didn't you not? No. Um, and obviously that's another thing that's been quite common. So growing up in a household with a single parent can be um, very challenging and difficult. Um, and obviously not maybe knowing your, your biological um, father or mother or whoever it is um, can be, again, very challenging and difficult for a child to understand because obviously you have confusion. You want to understand the situation, but you don't understand it. Um, so you, therefore you grew, you grew up for your teenage years and possibly some of your adult years or maybe all of your adult years um, feeling confused and having answer or having unanswered questions. So like myself, you know, I did grow up very confused and I was wanting to know, was I like my father? I hadn't, you know, I'd lost connection with him when I was about eight and um, hadn't seen him, you know, nothing was mentioned about him. Um, never knew what he looked like or anything like that. So, um, didn't know where he was or you know nothing and um it was difficult to carry that around to you know all those questions were bottled up inside me and I did have quite a lot of anger attached to the situation as well because obviously a divorce and like parents separating is very very common um but it's difficult for the parents and then they don't see how difficult it is for the child so if you're that child you tend to go with one of the parents but the other parent tends to go off and they can go on their own ways and it, it's very upset, upsetting because you don't know what's happening or why it's happening you're just told this is how life is now and this is what's happening moving forward you, you don't know what's happened and you're almost scared to ask what's happened as well because you can tell they've obviously fell out you don't want to ask something and then next thing it's blown into you know it's blown out of proportion because obviously the parents no longer like each other so it's something that's very, very distressing for a child as well. And I know it is very common for quite a lot of parents or marriages to, to break and end and separate. 
but they don't understand the significance and the effects that that can have on a child and it can be traumatic and um, especially if you don't have a relationship with your biological parent it can be where you just carry that confusion and you always want to know but you don't know how you're gonna know or why or what Um. so yeah I remember I think I was 19 so it was 12 years later and um, I had still had that heaviness in my head and I was like I just want to know you know I want to know why I don't have that relationship I want to know what it would be like I want to know if it's possible and um, so I remember trying to investigate to find out where this person could potentially be that was my biological father and eventually traced um, him down and found out and things like that and it was um, very very overwhelming for me at the time like I was so anxious and nervous to meet him and you know am I going to look like him am I going to relate to him are we going to get along or is it going to be extremely awkward because you know obviously I had different men in my life throughout my life growing up but they weren't my biological father um and it was quite um distressing at certain particular times because they they acted as though they were and I couldn't accept that or understand that and you know it made me angry because there were certain particular times when guys that maybe were my stepdad or you know were living with us and things like that and they would have maybe chucked out my makeup or like been very controlling and quite passive towards me and I just thought they have no right to do that because they aren't my biological father. So I would have got very angry and emotional about it. And um, I always wanted to know, you know, how would my dad feel if like he knew this was happening? Or like, would he be happy with this? Is this what he would want and things like that? Like, I was always very confused and curious. Um, so yeah, whenever I was, I think it was whenever I was 19, I then took the steps, reached out. Um, was nervous and anxious and all that. And obviously... We um, met up a couple of times and things like that, but it seemed like everything was happening so quick. So obviously we had lost touch for 12 years, but it was like everything was trying to, you know, come back all at once. And it was just way too quick and overwhelming, overwhelming for me. But I didn't take in how much of a shock it may have been for him and, you know, his wife as well. And also how difficult it may have been for them to take all of me on board, you know, like everything I am and who I was going through and how I looked and it must have been a lot for them but it was quite a lot for me and I never told anyone like how difficult it was to to have that touch again with my biological father and although it was quite exciting and nerve-wracking and things like that it, it can also be a very very overwhelming thing to adapt to because you haven't had that and then all of a sudden you have it again and it's like what is this like is this what it's like you know at some moments I felt a wee bit like cringy and like oh and I don't know if I like this I don't know if this is what I want because I never had you know a father figure in my life so I just was always like oh this is a bit strange you know I don't you know I obviously had you a guy in my life but obviously you weren't my dad so it was very it was very strange to <coughs> adapt to and especially at that pace that it was happening at. So um, then eventually again, you know, I was going through a lot of overwhelming change at that time. Whenever we did build a relationship, we were in contact for two years and then we lost touch again. Um, so we, we haven't been in touch or, you know, um, up until now anyway. We don't have um, a connection. So it's just 
certain particular things can happen in life and then they can go away again and it's just how life is I suppose yeah um, so after obviously your uh, biological uh, father left you you mentioned that there was a couple of people and uh, like men in your life which obviously made it really hard for you growing up because you didn't feel like you had a connection or a relationship with either parents um, and then the other man who came into your life which is hard um, so it was good obviously whenever I came along and I was able to my voice is getting worse by the moment <laughs> um, it was obviously good when I came along because I was there to sort of be your like rock and like support you yeah um, but sort of leading into the next topic of our relationship um, it was a bit rocky at the start wasn't it yeah, well, um, just before we did jump into that, obviously we had met when we were 16, so everything that I have discussed, you know, grief, losing a friend, going through the teenage years of, like, bullying, um, all like that, there was a silver lining because then I met you and you were such a great support, you know, you were only a year older than me, but it was like the best thing that had happened at, t- at that time because there was so much negative, like, sadness and pleasantness and admit that I was depressed at that time I was extremely anxious and overwhelmed and you know not only within school but at home the things that were happening and carrying that around day to day it felt like I was alone I was isolating myself I had no friends I had no one to talk to and then all of a sudden you know whatever had happened we had been in touch and talking online and then we went out and went on a date and things like that and just headed off straight away we had that great connection so it was like wow I actually have a best friend now you know like we just talked about everything and absolutely anything like I remember there was nights we stayed up like three or four in the morning just talking about everything and anything and like I knew that I trusted you because obviously we went to the same school together and I knew whenever I told you things I had told no one else no one else came and told me that you know you, you had told them or anything like that so I was like oh he's very trustworthy and we built a great trust, um, you know, instantly. So that was obviously amazing that that had happened. And um, I'd met you when I was 16. So there were certain particular things that had happened that, you know, we were maybe out drunk and things like that. And, you know, maybe had an argument, which is completely normal. And um, would it, it would have caused difficulty within the relationship because certain particular parents would have been like oh you can't be around someone like that you know they're treating you poorly or blah 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 and it just was so ridiculous because it is normal you have an argument if you get yeah, drunk well, you know things like that and let's not sugarcoat it we'll go in the details so basically what happened was uh yeah so going into relationships uh we obviously met whenever we were at school with each other and everything was fine for the first six months and then it wasn't until we went to see Avicii and you found out that one of your parents had looked for your phone and seen messages from me and you. And obviously we were young and we just used to mess about and send stupid texts to each other. But um, obviously they had seen that there was um, like, Take a drink. like sex talk between us and... They got overprotective, rang me, started shutting down the phone, and then you weren't allowed to see me ever again, and I was heartbroken. 
And that's sort of whenever our relationship sort of changed, wasn't it? Yeah, there was quite a significant change because obviously there was a lot of tension and um, a lot of pressure on you, obviously, because you were, you know, made out to be a horrible person when I knew that the thing that you had said to me um, was only something out of anger in the moment, but it wasn't like I was holding a grudge on you or anything like that. Like, we'd moved on from it. And like I said, having arguments in a relationship is very normal. Um, but obviously, um, parents can be quite overprotective at points and um they had obviously seen or heard and things like that that you know we were having an argument and obviously when we were 16 or 17 they were like that shouldn't be happening or whatever and blah 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 um but like we didn't see anything wrong with it and we knew like what was damaging and what wasn't um but we felt like we were like good for each other and things like that um but like since then it obviously it put a lot of pressure on what I was dealing with at home as well so um I didn't have like um what I would say a stable like family relationship growing up like no one in like my family was family like we all just lived lives but it wasn't like we were cousins or aunties or uncles or grannies and you know no one looked out for each other or no one was nurturing like family to me would be family that you love and care for and Growing up, I would say I didn't have that. Um, I didn't have a connection with anyone that I would say that was family. Um, and it was quite difficult because obviously in school and things like that, you you seen how other people were having like family events, weddings, birthdays, you know, things like that. And I was like, oh, that's that looks fun. Like that seems, you know, good. And um, it was quite sad because obviously it was something I hadn't experienced, and I was wondering why, and you know, things like that. But you know, every single family household is different and things like that. Everyone has different values, different connections, different relationships, and you can't compare yourself to what you have to someone else. Um, but I often did, because obviously as a teenager, I didn't know any difference. So um was going through a bit of difficulty at home and, you know, parent didn't um, want me to have a relationship at such a young age and didn't understand. Um, and obviously I'd seemed quite certain that it was working and things like that, but um, this parent didn't have that so obviously they um, maybe were becoming a bit jealous of it or you know what wondering why I had that but they couldn't find that and things like that so it was um, quite difficult because it put a lot of pressure on me in the house and you know if I was seeing you at school and things like that I was having to then come home and like hide that and it was it was difficult and um, obviously to have had you after all that difficulty that I went through um, you made it a bit more ease for me because I could finally speak to someone have a friend and have someone to socialize with and things like that so it felt great um, but then to know that someone didn't want that to happen it was like my world just came crashing down again yeah um, so obviously we were with each other in school but on weekends we went to like the movies or went to have food and like caught up with each other and like we were dating for was it six weeks eight weeks before we actually got into a relationship yeah, and you I asked me was, out. I think it was four or six weeks. I think it was like six weeks and I remember thinking is he actually ever going to ask me out or are we just friends? <laughs> <laughs> but then I remember the day you popped the question and you were like are you sure? Are you sure? And I was like yeah, I'm sure. And um, 
it was funny, like, whenever you actually built up the confidence to ask me, because obviously it's quite a difficult I question. I was shitting myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, obviously, we were we were dating and um, together, and um, once it got a bit more serious and serious, it then got more difficult, you know, within the, the household, and they, they could see that it was getting serious, and um, for me, it was quite difficult because I was the oldest sibling, and um, you were looking I after. You had a responsibility family, to, you? you know, look after like the younger siblings yeah. and things like that. So, um, obviously, a- any time I had wasn't spent on like socializing or anything like that. It was like my responsibility was to basically, um, you know, mother the siblings, and um, at that time it was like heavy and it was a lot of pressure and. It was um, tiring and things like that, but I was still trying to like go to college after school. So um, one thing that I didn't mention was um, obviously with all the stuff that was happening at home outside of school, I um, ended up failing most of my GCSE. So um, I remember that day was just like my whole world had crashed and, you know, like the teachers were just like, you know, you don't really have much to do, you know, you don't have an option, like, you're either going to have to repeat school years, or you're going to have to go do your maths and English, the most important subjects, and, you know, college, and I was like, right, okay, and I just didn't know what to do, I just remember crying, and then went and got very drunk, and <laughs> then was like, right, I have to actually make a decision, so I decided to go to Belfast Met, done my maths and English, and took it very very serious because in school I let other things be a priority like um outside um things and having responsibilities I didn't um have time to study or things like that and um then when I was at college I still didn't have time to study but I was ensuring that I made it my priority so if I was on the bus like traveling from Microfield to Belfast it was normally like an hour and a half bus journey so I made sure that I was studying on there and you know doing all that I could to make sure that this happened because it meant a lot to me at that point because I was like I don't want to have nothing and um obviously the parent like um put a lot of pressure on me and you know made me feel like I wasn't worth much as a person as well so I had a lot of self-esteem issues growing up and lack confidence and things like that because you know I would have been told well you're just going to work at McDonald's or you're just going to be stuck at shelves and you know like I was just like I don't think I am but they they could say that it was going to be so I was just like I really need to make sure that I am putting in the effort to do this because I want to prove to myself but also prove to other people around me that I'm not like you know I'm not who you think I am you know I'm doing I'm doing all that I can possibly do, but it's still not good enough. So um getting back to like um the beginning of our relationship, I remember. Um so I met you when I was sixteen and then obviously we'd been together for the two years and things like that and it then came to my eighteenth birthday. So obviously I was at your eighteenth birthday and then it came to my eighteenth birthday and um then I was told that you can be there and things like that. So I, I obviously couldn't have you at my house or anything like that. But the party was going to be at an at a venue. And I said to you, you know, like, you're welcome to come. And I didn't know how you were going to get there because obviously it was such a long distance drive. And um, there isn't many buses. The public transport isn't very good back there. And um, you, you told me that you were going to drive then and you drove up to my birthday and We'd obviously got photographs and things like that with friends and photographs together and you know I remember then when 
it was a few days later whenever we had Facebook at the time and like the the photos had been shared online and like tagged in and things like that and it then just got blown out of proportion and got out of hand and like would have been like um times when the parent would come in and like um then like hurt me and things like that and like um physically abuse me um sorry so just to give context to people we me and emma kept our relationship secret from her parents for about a year and then after her birthday obviously i was tagged in the photographs and that's how she, they found out and then um that's when shit hit the fan mm-hmm. uh, like yeah. i was saying <coughs> they, um there was a lot of like um anger involved and things like that and um you know like times at home for me were very very difficult at that period of time because um you know obviously I'd been hiding these things but then I was seen as lying and to me I wasn't lying I was just trying to protect myself and also protect Nathan and it was just very very difficult because I felt I wasn't accepted for what I was doing and what I was doing was making me happy, but I wasn't accepted for that. And um, I I just remember after my 18th birthday, um, I remembered because this was like ongoing throughout my whole life that I wasn't like accepted for who I was, suffered with like real anxiety, um, you know, just living in the household that I'd been in and also couldn't be accepted for who I was. And it was just like normal things that you wanted to be loved and cared for and nurtured and told that everything was going to be okay you wanted to be supported you wanted to be accepted for any choices or decisions that you had made um but unfortunately that wasn't the case for me and um it it just was it it was hard because I just couldn't understand what I was doing so wrong and you know I wasn't getting told what I was doing right I wasn't getting told what I was doing wrong but it, it was just like everything was wrong um so it was like you know if I said you know, that wall over there is white. It is white. No, it's not. You're wrong. And it, it just would have been so draining. And there's only so much of it that you could take. And like I mentioned with the bullying process, that's often what it felt like at home as well. Um, And obviously, whilst I am going, you know, and have been going through a healing process for a matter of years, I don't blame anyone for any actions or anything like that. Um, but I understand that there is hurt through generations. So like if a generation has had trauma or pain or hurt and they haven't healed from that, it can oft- often get passed on. So say a grandmother, it can be passed on to the mother, it can be passed on to the children. Um, but for me, it's very important that you don't pass that on through future generations. You need to understand your actions and behaviours and the consequences that they do have on other people around you and also heal from them so that you don't pass them on. And that's one thing that I, you know, take with me through life is that I don't want my projections to be on other people like I want to be able to control my behavior and emotions and things like that and understand why I'm feeling certain ways um but also when I eventually have my own children for them to not feel like it's a consequence on them and for them to not have my emotions and behaviors passed on to them because I understand that that is very very common within parenting and obviously if you don't you don't know that it's happening or you don't understand that it's happening and um, 
you know, you just you pack, you brush it off like an unimportant, or you don't you don't see that it's actually happening. So it's not then till the child is an adult, which I'm now an adult, that I understand how much pain it can cause and how difficult it is, and it it's it, it's distressing. Um, but for me, growing up in a situation like that, it was like ongoing. So there was only so much of it that I could take. Um, and you know, whenever the 18th birthday situation happened and it was just very sad and down and depressing because I, you know, I, I could see other people were having birthdays with like big events and loads of people there and loads of family. Like I said, um, I didn't really understand the meaning of family growing up because I didn't have like those like events and things like that or that or nurturing and support. Um, so whenever it came to my 18th birthday and like a few friends that came, Nathan had came, things like that. It was great to be able to get out, but because for me, I didn't really socialise, you know, I didn't have much of a social life, and then whenever I did, it was like, oh, this is, you know, this is great, this is fun, and whenever that happened then, um, and, you know, obviously that parent had found out, it was just like my whole world came crashing down, and, you know, obviously there was um, a fight involved and things like that, and um, then what had happened was that um, I was chucked out of the family home when I was, it was only two weeks after my 18th birthday, um, and I had absolutely nothing, like I had no phone, no clothes, no nothing, just that was it, and, uh, and I was chucked out. And I came and got you. Yeah. And it was so cute. I know it's like, I shouldn't be laughing, but um, you like literally had nothing. And like, I just can't believe that someone would be so heartless to not even give you anything. Um, and you tried to negotiate to get your clothes and you you just had the clothes on your back and that was it. Um, I remember I had to go and buy you your new wardrobe, um, which was quite sad, but I had a good fashion sense, didn't I? Good taste. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that was probably one of the most difficult situations that I've went through. Um, I remember feeling very, very suicidal whenever it happened. I had, you know, it was it was dark when it had happened, and I had stepped out of the driveway, walked up, um, towards the town, um, that I lived in, and just didn't know what to happen. Like I did, didn't even have an emotion. Like I was just frozen, and um, the only thing that I could think of was going to like a park, and like I was also threatened that if I had called anyone or anything, that there's going to be serious consequences, and. You know, like, I didn't even know anyone's contact details but Nathan. So, I remember going to, like, payphone and call Nathan and, like, telling him that this so has cute. happened. And, like, you know, I don't know what to do. And I remember, like, just heavily breathing and, like, crying. And, like, I didn't know what to do or what to say. And, you know, I said, like, I'm just going to sit in the park and potentially sleep there tonight. And, obviously, you know, I was homeless. I had no one. I had nothing to go to. And Nathan was like, no. You stay where you say that you're going to be, and I'll make sure I get someone that's going to come and you know has a car and can drive and come and get you. Um, and I was just like, yeah, yeah, don't worry, like it's all right. And um, then it was like an hour, an hour and a half later, um, these lights appeared, and I remember sitting in the park and like I was on my own, and um, these lights appeared, and I thought, oh goodness, this is going to be the police. And next thing it was, it was Nathan, and he had came and got me, and um, obviously. It was a big thing to be taken into someone else's house and like it was quite overwhelming as well like obviously for you and your family but also for me again and um it was a very very difficult time like every single night i remember crying myself to sleep and like 
just not known and again confused and got that heaviness and very depressed and you know had a great connection with like my siblings and like that was taken away from me and there was just so much ongoing like change and I felt like I was not getting that break like it was just like this has happened now that's solved this has happened and it was all very very dark and depressing and I had suicidal thoughts for a long long time and like I was just like you know what is there any point like I often just question that like is there any point um and you know at 18 I was still a baby like I was still so young I just didn't know what to do or where to begin Mm -hmm. and like I was just so lost and um that was something that didn't change so obviously like I had to go and get a phone contract try and get a phone had to had no money um obviously being 18 you don't like I was working part-time at the time but it was only weekends so that was like my only like survival and so like you said you went and like helped me get clothes which I'm like forever grateful for and I understand that like I like appreciate our relationship so much because I remember those times when I needed someone that person was you and um yeah it was just it was just a horrible experience and you know, even trying to negotiate and understand and it was just like completely shut out and um then it was a matter of weeks later, like all my stuff was like dumped at your door. It was all in bags and you know, then I was told that the the family home was gonna be someone else was gonna be moving in there, so you know, we're gonna be leaving, we're gonna be moving, so you need to come and collect all your stuff that's in the garage and you know, things like that and I was like, Oh, okay, like it was just so much like this, this is just, I had to just adapt to the situation it was like there was no going back there was no change in it and um that was obviously very difficult for I think it was for two years that it took me to kind of adapt to that change and obviously shortly after that then um I couldn't I couldn't um continue studying um in Belfast because it was so expensive to travel and I was paying for my own travel fees and things like that so it was very difficult I had to then make the decision to not study so I decided to work with KFC it was the only job that I could get at that time and was working full-time in KFC in order to to survive basically I needed money to to provide my food to provide clothes to you know get around and live um so that was a a very tough decision to to quit my study um but to to work full-time in a job just to have money um and it was again another very depressing time because it was something that I didn't want to do but I had to do and I had no control over it um and I remember actually going and trying to get job seeker and they turned around and they were like no like they did, they couldn't give me any help either and I just was so helpless like I was really really vulnerable at that time um and you know now looking back at that person I'm like how the hell did you pull through something like that you know I don't even know like how on earth I did come through it but I did um but yeah shortly after that after I'd got all my own fate and you know trying to to survive and things like that then obviously you had a very difficult time within your your own situation so maybe you want to talk about that and what that was like for you as well yeah um, so like whenever I grew up like my family was always close everything was fine and until the later years whenever we started growing older like maybe like 15 16 and uh mum and dad were arguing all the time uh constantly and then my dad moved out and then 
we got told that they were going to have a divorce and obviously on a teenager whenever you get told they're going to have a divorce you're like this can't be happening like yeah this is my family like I don't want to break it up um so it hit me really hard and then obviously you were living with me at the time so you know most of the stuff that went on but mm-hmm. uh long story short like um one of my parents had met um another fella and brought him back to the house and uh it was really hard for me because like I was the man of the house after my dad had left and then yeah um there was this other guy like there in the house like in my dad's bed and I'm just like that's not that's not cool with me it's not sound well with me um and just a lot of shit was just pissing me off and like a lot of things in my head and um yeah it was just fucking it was just terrible like you don't like when you grow up you obviously want your parents to be together and then mm-hmm. whenever you see that they're apart and you could see that it's because of one parent more so than the other parent because like you're the mediator and the in the situation like you're the one who can see both sides and obviously parents keep things from their children so I don't know what the full story is mm. but from my side I took one of my parents side and I stuck by that side and uh, people knew, know me close like they know I haven't spoken to um, my mom in four years four or five years and it was because she brought some other fella back to the house and they were in the house together and it was just it was sickening like it really fucked with my head and I I drank really heavy and used to get myself in the fits and states and I never like contemplated suicide but like it did always hurt myself like um, like punching myself in the head and stuff like that and like I would have drove in like rage in the car mm-hmm. and it just got to a boiling point one time where me and you were like we're done mm-hmm. and it actually happened because I kept on slabbering to the fella that was in the house and uh, well not to interrupt it was just that what was also happening at that time was that your family home that you had grown up yeah. in was actually being sold because it of the divorce. Well, yeah. So we had no option, but everyone we had, had to leave. leave. Yeah. Um. So everyone was leaving that house and going their own separate ways. So like your siblings, you, and yeah. then obviously the parent. But um, it was quite difficult because you hadn't expected that. Yeah. And you struggled to accept that like anyone would. It's completely normal. But then to make a decision to be like, okay, you know, I'm only, what, 19, 20? I think you were 19. Well, no, I was 19. And like, I obviously, like, I don't think you're, I don't think you should be leaving your house until you're like 21, 25. Like, but like, if you're younger, fair play to you. That's great. Like us. Um but yeah, we had a big decision. Like we well, were obviously if years you, old. you leave to go to uni, some exactly. people move away, but they make that decision. Like if you don't make that decision, you're not ready for it. Yeah, but you always have that. If like you're like people that I know that went to university, like if they're nineteen years old, eighteen years old, they still 
like they'll move away, but they'll still have that security of coming back to a family home. Yeah. I didn't have that security. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what was like really like hard on us. Like we were forced into that situation where we had been going out for two years and we were forced and we were, you were 18 and I was 19 and we were forced to go and move into the city in Belfast by ourselves. And like we had to like go and look at these houses and all like we were really like when if I'm looking back on it like it is very stressful and like you said whenever you were in your childhood as well like looking back on it in hindsight you can see that you were in depression mm. looking back at us then as well I could see that we were it's like depressed a bit oh, yeah. which is sad um yeah, after we left the after we left my family home and we went to Belfast, um, it was it was great. Like the first couple of months were great. We were fine. We were doing well. We were very excited. And uh, sorry, just taking another drink of water. <laughs> um, yeah, like we were excited going into a new house, like buying stuff, decorating our own home, getting new jobs up in the city. Um, everything looked like it was working out well for us whenever we got our jobs and like we were so stable but you know like you can pick your friends but you can't pick your family fucking they're always going to be there and they uh, things just kept on trying to fuck with our relationship and it like was really hard because me and you it was just me and you in the house and like we were just growing apart Mm. like there were some nights where I would have just been downstairs and you would have been upstairs and yeah not even some nights that would have been like every single night like well we we never talked about things because it was such a touchy subject yeah that happened we didn't talk about it so we knew that we were going to hurt each other's feelings if we hadn't brought it up or we weren't going to agree on what had happened so we just decided to not talk about it yeah which I wouldn't recommend because then we bottled up all this anger and aggression and then what had happened was when it came to it getting worse, you know, when other people were butting in and other people were, you know, getting involved in the situation, it was just like, okay, this is our time to actually talk about it and deal with it now. Yeah. And when it came to that point, we couldn't talk. It was just all anger. And it was almost like everything that was inside us just exploded. And, you know, what was very difficult as well was when we grew up, I know it may be similar for other people, but growing up in households it can be quite common to see domestic violence um and it's something as a child that you can visually see but again block out um but then growing up as an adult you can begin to think because that's all you ever have ever seen you begin to think that that's how you should deal with situations and you know that's what happened with us unfortunately and um i know it can be quite similar for other relationships that are fairly new to living together or maybe have kids or they have a big massive change and it can impact the relationship they then begin to to get angry and they abuse each other and things like that and they may not intentionally mean to like i know we never intentionally meant to hurt each other but it was just the pressure the tension and everything that was happening it was like slam doors it was just like you know fuck off and all this anger and like it was just like we were hating each other so much but we didn't actually hate each other it was just like it was happening it was weird because like we like obviously loved each other but at other times we just knew how to push each other's buttons and like yeah we were like 
it would have got as bad as like me and you like squaring up to each other and like pushing each other and like like throwing arms and stuff like that like it was just so dark and well i think disgusting for like, that like whenever you look back in hindsight i think for like an ongoing year as well we slept in different rooms so like it was yeah. like we were just living together because we had to there was nowhere yeah. else for us to go but we didn't actually want to live together and yeah. it was just, i always thought of it like it was we were scared to be lonely yeah and it was um it was like um, laughing because of the song I always say um, Martin Garrick scared to be lonely is mine and Emma's song <laughs> she hates it <laughs> um, but like it was obviously a very very difficult time I think it was like two or three years we went through that so we lived yeah. together for a total of four years no but... yeah four years so it was three years in our own house yeah. and uh, the first two years were just fucking nightmare they really were. Like, it was just horrible. I like, think it was, like, the whole three years, to be honest. Well, see, after the two years, we then went to Disneyland, Disney World, and then it was class because there was no pressures from families, no pressure from job, no pressure being in Belfast. And we were in this happy place, and, like, it sort of, like, reignited, like, our flame. Like, we seen, like, how much we meant to each other. And then yeah. after Florida, we were, like, Maybe it's Belfast. Maybe it's like home is the problem. Yeah, like I know we did go to Spain and then we went to Florida and then we went to Ibiza and every single time we left on that plane it was like, this is safe. Like we're safe. Like we're away from everything. And it was amazing because we had so much fun together and we weren't arguing. We weren't hurting yeah. each other and we were laughing and we were like joking and talking happy times, happy times and creating memories and like we're like, oh my god, we're actually so happy. Like, we're never like this. Yeah. And then once we went back, and we were back in, you know, like, working and back in that routine and back to, like, how life was and, again, having those interruptions and involvements, you know, toxicity, it was just like, oh no, here we are again. And it was just like a dark cloud was hanging over us. And, yeah. you know, one thing I will say as well, at such a young age, to go into... A situation that you're forced into to live with someone especially within a relationship you know we were only together for two years and we were then living with each other it was a big step um because we we hadn't known each other and we were still so young like yeah. i was only 18 18 you were 19 um and to talk about money like we had to talk about rent we had to talk about expenditure and like you know, I was barely any even making enough Fucking money. TV license, I didn't even know you needed one then. And you know, like <laughs> identifying all these things that you were was now responsible for was like, holy shit! You know, know. it was just like constant roaring at each other. No, you should do that. You should do it this way. Blah 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 blah. And it was just like we just had no idea how to communicate or discuss mm. how we felt, and you know, we hid and bottled a lot of stuff. Up stuff up well one thing that did annoy me was you never put the toilet seat up <laughs> i always had to bend down and pick it up <laughs> uh, i'm sure many guys can relate to that out there it is though why do girls always turn around and say oh i put the toilet seat down yeah but what happens if like i don't care like i want it up that means i have to do extra we, we really want to touch your piss on the toilet seat to put that toilet seat back down for us don't we no, you're afraid of falling in and fucking joining. <laughs> anyway, fucking... Yeah, so, like, there was a dark, deep cloud over us. I think it was depression, looking back in hindsight. And then um, it was just horrible. And then 
we were working in mediocre jobs, but then we, we got good jobs. And then in the last year, whenever we, before we left for Australia, and uh, one thing I would like to mention is just that we were very lonely. So we, yeah. we were working different shifts. So I was working um, night shifts. You were working day shifts. Yeah. And we were really not seeing each other. And then what had happened was we began to feel lonely. We didn't have family support. We didn't have friends because we had moved to yeah. you know, the city. We didn't know anyone there. And it was very, very, very hard to find the time or find the places to connect with people and get out and have fun. It was like, come the days that we did have together, we would have been worrying about money and be like, oh, we, you know, we, we went out for dinner and then we would have fruit in each other's face and be like, oh, you know, we've just spent that amount of money, should we have really done that? Oh, and blah, blah, blah. Fuck. And it was just, it was just so like stupid. ongoing things that was very like immature and we didn't know how to deal with them because obviously we weren't prepped in school on how to, to live as an adult. So we were still in that mentality and didn't know how to adapt to it. Um, but yeah, like as soon as we left the country, came back, we basically realised after having that long trip to America that we we wanted to, to leave. We realised we weren't happy and even in the house we were in, we were just, we weren't happy. There was just like ongoing problems, ongoing stress. Mm-hmm. Um, weren't happy within our relationship and we knew if we didn't solve something like leave or, you know, make it as a life-changing decision that our relationship was going to fail. Like it was just going to yeah. go down a, a, a rabbit hole. And um, we decided then that we wanted to make the decision to do something that is going to maybe change who we are and change our life and maybe be a lot happier and yeah. um, have more opportunities. So that's whenever we were like, oh, you know, what, what about Australia? Mm-hmm. And um, we just decided to do it then. And, you know, there was no looking back. And I remember even when we were telling people, they were just like, oh, yeah, 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 that, that will last. You'll be back, you uh-huh. know. And, um, for me, in my mind, I remember I was working seven days a week at that period of time for oh, months and months, and I just knew in my head I was like, I need to, you know, I need to get money to get out of here, and that was all I was living for. I was barely seeing you, I was barely seeing anyone. Worked seven days a week, and what I was trying to do was pass my driving test before we left. So I give myself something like four months to pass my driving test. <laughs> and I had, you know, the right amount of lessons, but the driving instructor was like, you know, you're putting too much pressure on yourself. You're not going to pass your test with that amount of pressure you're putting on yourself. I was like, nope, I am passing my test before I leave. And at this point, our flights were already booked to leave. And we were leaving um, in the March. And um, I booked my driving test for after Christmas in the January. Um, and obviously you have to get your fury before so I done my fury, failed it the first time went back, done it, passed it the second time so then whenever I passed it I booked the driving test didn't even tell the driving instructor, next lesson I was like by the way, my driving test is in three days he goes what? and I goes yeah my driving test is in three days <laughs> <laughs> you know that was that. that's so me like I have to do things, if I feel it in my gut and I feel yeah. it's right, I fucking do it Yeah, you do. and he just laughed at me and he was like you really for real and I showed him the email and I was like yep he was just annoyed because he wasn't getting more money for the lessons and I was just like Like, it's happening and he goes well you know you have to prepare yourself in case you do you feel and I says well at least I've got enough time you know if that happens you know I've still got a matter of weeks but I I know I need to get it 
So anyway, done my driving test, passed it first time round. What an amazing feeling. I, I literally thought, you know, this is not going to happen. I was so anxious. I remember my driving <laughs> my driving lessons was the most severe anxiety I could have ever had doing anything. The sweat was pouring. My hands were shaking on the wheel. You know, I had the true gun to control my whole face posture. It was just like, it was so intense. It's funny though, because like you uh, didn't even know what manifestation was and you manifested that you were going to pass it. Oh yeah, I know. I was just like, yep, I'm so getting it. And I did. And, um, you know, I counted my lucky stars that morning. I woke up and I had... <laughs> You always have a driving lesson before your test. My driving lesson was absolutely atrocious. Like, you talk about anxiety. I had the worst anxiety ever. I thought I was taking a panic attack at the wheel. And it was because I was panicking of the test. And I was only in the lesson. And I remember the driving instructor says, Right, what I want you to do is go and park up at the, the filling station. Um, And obviously, anyone who is listening doesn't know what a filling station is. It's where you get gas. <laughs> I know I've said Gas to a couple station. of Australians and they're like, film station? I'm yeah. like, yeah, that's what we call it. A garage. It. Um, a garage. So I pulled in and he's like, what's your favourite drink? And I was like, oh, red BPM. And he went in and got the red BPM, came out and I, you know, drank it. Obviously it wasn't a good thing to drink at 8am, but I drank that and calmed myself down. You know, he was quite like, you need to really focus on your breathing, you know, calm down. It's going to be fine. Reassuring me. And um, he said, do you want me in the car whilst you're doing the test? And I says, um yeah okay <laughs> and you know the whole time i was doing my test i could see this like eyes eyeballing me in the back of the corner i was like that probably wasn't a good idea <laughs> but it was fine and i passed and it was like the most i remember to to today one of my most proudest achievements because i thought i was incapable of so many things in yeah. life and that was one thing i was like you're gonna fucking smash this you're gonna do it and you're gonna get it before you leave because in the back of my mind i was like we we're leaving the country and you know i i, I knew in my heart i wasn't coming back and yeah. that was just a decision i made to myself and i was like i need to to make this commitment to to do this so i did it and um we obviously had to pack up everything to leave and then whenever we came to Australia, fast forward to... It's so funny, because like, see you're talking about that, like, you see how proud you are. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you got, like, a good sense of pride in you. It, it was good, because, like, obviously when you do things and you're committed to them yourself, yeah. you block out what everyone else around you is saying or thinking, and, you know, if they, they can't see it within you... Some of the things you said there, like he said, he's like, you, know, you have to be prepared if you do feel like... You, were, you weren't even thinking about feeling oh, like, no. like, no, I'm fucking getting it. I was not even thinking that far ahead. Yeah. I was just like, I am doing it, and, you know, I, I, don't, I really don't care what happens. That's really important, because, like, you set a date of when you wanted to do the test and he didn't even know about it and most people wait until their instructor turns out and says right I'm going to pick in but you were just like no I'm doing it this date so you knew there was a date and a deadline you had to do so like you knew in your head I have to get everything ready before this and then you went and done it and it's, it just seems like you were to, like a mini Tony Robbins like <laughs> you manifested it you put down the date this, and you had a schedule and, and it made it happen and then that fucking happened yep and that's what, you know, like, some things in life you are so committed to them and others you're just like, I don't really give a shit what happens, you know, if I feel, I feel, blah, blah, blah. But for that, in my head, it was almost like I had a gut feeling and there's been other things obviously as well, but that was one of the my strongest points. I was like, this is something that's going to mean so much to me because obviously coming to another country, you're not going to be able to easily learn to drive as what you can yeah. back there because you're more aware of the roads and how 
the signs are structured and things like that so I was like you know this is something I need to get and I need to do it and I did it and I wanted to get it before I came here because like I said I had made that commitment to myself that I wanted to leave for good yeah. um and when I did it I was just like oh my god I can I can do anything you know what you should do hmm. book a swimming lesson <laughs> and then just go and then you can finally learn to swim just jump in the water um <laughs> uh, so yeah fast forward to now then of what we have you know obviously the whole episode has been based around our mental health journey effect effects that our individual um mental health issues have had on our relationship and um obviously touching on topics that have been distressing um that are probably quite common um you know when i was a child and a teenager i thought oh i'm the only person that's going through this but now as an adult i'm like this is very very normal we yeah. just don't talk about these things but i know for a fact that there's many others out there that would relate to, to what we've spoke about um but obviously there's a silver lining with everything in life which is fantastic and like i said at the beginning with the quote in order to grow you must suffer yeah so obviously we've had a fantastic two and a half years of being in Australia our relationship well, is like we just that's what I was going to just mention and before we concluded I wanted to just say that um, coming to Australia was a clean slate for our relationship definitely and it's reignited that flame mm-hmm. and I don't think we've I think we maybe had like maybe one or two fights here but like it's just over stupid shit like, it wasn't, like, to the degree of those fights that we had back in Belfast. And, no. like, even, like, the last, like, year and a half, like, I've just been so in love with you. And, like, <laughs> it's, like, it's just fucking, it's weird, like, having hindsight and looking back in Belfast to, like, what we were. Because, like, it was, like, we were scared to be lonely and we were just living with each other just because it was convenient. But now, mm. like, it's, like... I actually get really excited to be around you and like and to like love you and it's uh, I don't care if it sounds cheesy or corny it's good to have someone to fucking to love and be your best friend and um, yeah I just I feel like we're on cloud nine and like obviously we have shit going on now but we're just taking it as it comes that's it and like the most important thing from what we've learnt um through our whole journey i suppose is that we have learned to communicate so that's our number one thing now is you know if you feel something and it doesn't feel right or if you know i've done something that's pissed you off don't slam the door and walk away you know come over here and tell me what it is and we can sort it out we're 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 a team we sort it out together we don't you know bypass emotions and discriminate how one another feels and say that's wrong you shouldn't be feeling like that you should be feeling this way you know you have to understand that a person can feel a certain particular way. It may not be how you feel or how you maybe cope with a situation, but you have to understand it and comfort yeah. them no matter what. And if you do that, well, then your communication is going to be on key. And if you can communicate difficult and challenging situations to one another, well, then everything's going to be more common rather than aggress- aggression and being involved and, you know, being very, very isolated as well like you have to deal with it together if you're together in a relationship you have to deal with it together you don't just deal with things on your own um um, you know one of the most important things for me um as well is that if you don't love yourself you can't love someone else so that was one thing that i think was an issue when we were living together back in belfast we 
hadn't had that love for ourselves individually so therefore we we struggled to find love for each other um and i know since coming here i've really you know i've transformed so so much and so have you obviously um but just you know for me um one of the things was that i always struggled with like my self-esteem and confidence you know i never would have took photos i never would have hung out with different girls or wanted to meet different girls connect with different girls because i would have thought that i wasn't good enough i was born um silly things like that and you know since coming here it's um it's been fantastic the amount of opportunities that i've had and i've you know really got out of my comfort zone which is bloody crazy for me because i would have just like i've said for the episode isolated myself and now i'm like going out you know on my own if it's not going to the shops if it's going to for a walk by myself if it's going to a workshop by myself going to an event just all different things like that i never ever panic and think I can go by myself. I don't know anyone. You know, I go and I meet people and I talk to people. I'm more comfortable now with talking to other people and meeting other people. You know, we're we're all here together and you have to help one another. And you could be sitting next to someone who's potentially went through the exact same thing as you. So giving each other that comfort and be like, oh, you know, and getting to know each other is going to be great support. Um, so that's definitely one thing that's helped me. Another thing that's helped me is just having that strong connection. So again, like, finding yourself will then help you find your relationship so we have obviously found our relationship again um but also having strong connections with good people around you if you have negative toxic people around you it's going to deflate you it's going to bring out the worst of you whereas if you have good people around you it obviously brings out the best of you um another couple of tips that i would suggest for like that's helped me with my mental health is um reading um journaling your thoughts so sometimes everything that's happened in your head can seem very crazy and overwhelming and um, what i would tend to do is just write out things if i feel like i am getting overwhelmed or like anything's bothering me and i don't understand how to deal with it or how to solve it i would just write out the whole situation on a piece of paper um or even put it into my notes on my phone and that way when i read it back it's not as um dramatic or it's not as yeah. overwhelming because when you read it you're like oh sure I can just go and do that and that'll help or like I can go and just do this and sure that'll be all fine after that what what the hell am I worrying for you know whereas whenever it's in your head it's just so overwhelming and um, also yoga meditation exercise um where like my number one priorities is just taking that time out for you to like relax and um again expressing that self-love um self-care is extremely important um so having a good routine and a good structure so that way that your head is not having the opportunity to to overthink or go crazy if you have everything structured and planned out at least then your head knows where you're going to be at day to day as well um therapy is a number one thing for me so although um i have studied human behavior and um i'm accredited mental health counselor um it's also it's also good that um you have your own therapy as well so it doesn't entirely mean that you're um you know 100% okay there's still days that i can lack um you know anything and i'm like oh i need you know i need to go and speak to someone and i've got therapy ongoing every two weeks because that gives me enough time if there is anything that pops up that i know that i've got that time to vent and speak or you know if there's anything that happens with my role my job because obviously i deal with other people's issues that it's my time to to, to vent that as well and um, so seeking professional help it should not be um it should not be overwhelming or um anything like that if you haven't been before it can be quite nerve-wracking but it's just extremely important to have someone that is 
um, there for you that you have that confidential space to vent and let go of everything rather than have an attachment to it and like childhood and tiny teenage years you've got a lot that can you know define you as a person but if you haven't healed from it it can hurt you and upset you as an adult so it's just important that you do work through that with a professional um and most importantly just learning how to have fun like it's not all about dwelling on your emotions and not you know isolating yourself and not thinking you're good enough once you fix everything on the inside everything on the outside will reflect so you'll be learning how to have more fun as well which is really important that's good Emma. Um, thanks very much for coming on and doing this I know you really wanted to do it for World Mental Health Day which is good um, I'm glad that we got out our uh, relationship and just like a bit about or a bit of knowledge about what like we went through um, yeah I'm really happy that you shared and you're very brave for doing so as well thank you um, yeah thanks for everyone for um, listening to this podcast sorry about my voice it's a bit fucked up at the moment but um yeah i had a lot of fun uh, doing this here one it, it's always good to talk about yourself and talk about those people you're close to and um just get out the truth of what's actually happening because i know it's quite a taboo subject um and thanks for emma coming on you've done a really good job thank you <laughs> um yeah uh, just some message as well for people who do follow the podcast if you uh would like to subscribe on uh, YouTube. That would be a big, massive um, help for me just to get my podcast out there. And also, um, if you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and uh, just tell your friends and family as well um, about the podcast, it'll go a long way for me. But yeah, um, that's it for me and Emma. And uh, look forward to having Emma on again sometime in the near future. <laughs>